the Lord gave me a word and and I used it at Carthage last week and it, it just didn't set. I mean, it, it was it was good, but the Lord said it's for here, for central. And so I'm going to speak the same word to you. Actually, it wasn't even close to the same, but the same idea. Um, I read Charisma magazine and, and a guy had four points in there that he believed that four things the church would struggle with in the last day. And I agree with those four points. And the Lord just kept dumping with me on these four things. And so I wanted to give credit that it was his idea, but the Lord put the words behind it, I believe, for you today. But as I was, I was trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to pull this in? You know, go from Mother's Day into we're going to talk about end times. And, and we're going to talk about Matthew 24, uh, 4 through 14. And Jesus is talking about that, that, hey, there's a rumor going around that everybody thinks it's going to be peaches and cream in the last days. That everything's just going to go hunky-dory and, and we're not going to have any problems. And, and guys, I, I got to tell you, Jesus said there'll be some things going on in the last days. But if you keep your eyes on me, yes, you're going to experience revival. And, and that's the deal is, is we got to keep our eyes on him. That's why I was telling you to pay attention to what, uh, uh, I just went blank, uh, Gina said today. Because she was using examples of women some kept their eyes on him. Some struggled with it. There's different parts, different stories. But in the end, they kept their eyes on Jesus. And look how it changed their, eye, their life. Their eyes on God, and it changed their life. Where there was a tragedy, there was a move of God when we keep our eyes on him. And that's what we need to remember as believers, that, that things are going to happen in the last days. And, and some pretty bad things may happen, but they shouldn't affect the move of God in your life and the peace of God in your life. And that's what we need to press into today. But I'm thinking, Mother's Day, in times. And I thought to myself, how I can tie that together? If I didn't do what my mom told me to do, it was like living in the last days. <laughs> so that's how I'm tying it together, okay? And so we've tied everything together. And I'm going to, this was a gift she gave me for Christmas. And I've been waiting for a day to float it. And so I float it today. I'm a survivor of the wooden spoon. Yeah? Yeah, and so, you know, when there was tragedy in my life, when I did nothing wrong and my brothers did it all, and she whipped my hiney, it paid off. <laughs> At least keep telling yourself that, okay? And, and keep your eyes on Jesus, but this will even preach in a few notes that, 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 that God has put on my heart today. But it's important that we press into the things of God, and we're going to, I'll get into that later, but... but uh, the other thing the Lord's hitting me with now, she added a scripture here at the bottom that tells us to raise our children up in the things of God and the ways of God. And it should be that important to you that you'll go to all measures to see that your children know Jesus. And then that you will pull all stops to see that your children know Jesus. That you'll pull the car away on the weekends so that your kids will know Jesus. That you'll see that they're in church. You see where I'm heading here? That that's the most important thing to you. And again, Rita already preached all that. <laughs> Gene already preached all that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm at this point, I need to take a deep breath. Because we had like 50 things we had to pull off today, then I busted my mic. And, and I, I thought, is she going to have Larry pray since I'm not, I mean, everything worked out fine. 
Larry stepped to the plate and everything went great. But, but anyway, I'm still trying to settle into this. So let's read the word. That's the best way to do it. Matthew 24, 4. Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go against war, or nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this, but all this is only the first of the birth pains, with more to come. Now we've had a lot of babies here lately, and the men can relate to this. We had pains, but there's going to be even more. And again, Jesus is trying to prepare his people that yeah, things will be tough in the last day. But as in pregnancy, when we have that baby. Man, that's the most awesome thing you could ever have, and you're going to forget about all the pain. And Jesus is telling us that, yeah, there's going to be some pain going on, some things going on in the world that you don't like in your own life because you're in the world, but that doesn't mean you're of the world. You keep your eyes on me, and I'll bring you through, and it's going to be glorious in the end. But anyway, verse 9, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be even hated. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Now, again, I believe Jesus is talking to church here. You know, the church is going to be arrested, persecuted, killed, hated. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom of God will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and the end will come. Four things I want you guys to be thinking about today. In the last time, there's going to be fear. There's going to be offense. There's going to be lust and deception. That's the four things that I heard from this scripture today. And there's probably more things that I believe Christ is telling the church. And I believe that this word that the Lord said to tell you as individuals here today. And we're going to run through all four of these things. But we need to realize that Christ is with us and not to give in to these four things. So the first thing I want to talk about today is that that I believe the church that we need to guard against is fear. Christ starts out right in the scripture in verse 6, don't panic. Don't fear. If you go over to Luke chapter 21, verses 26, it's another parallel to to another interpretation of what Christ said that day by by Luke. But as he said that people will be terrified at what they they see coming upon the earth, for the power uh, in heaven will be shaken. And I got to thinking about this, that the fear that comes in to the body of Christ can be really dangerous. Why is fear dangerous? Because when we are in fear, we will make bad decisions, okay? And that's why these points are so important today, that when we step out in fear and act upon fear, we make bad decisions. And we need to remember that today. Uh, I can remember as a kid when I was 12 years old, up to 12 years old, maybe even a little bit older than that, when there was a tornado warning or even a threat of tornadoes out, if that wind kicked in at all, I was at my mom and dad's bed, and they would not let me in the bed. 
They would kick me off and say, you can sleep with my feet, but you're not getting in the bed with me. And I would go in my room out of fear, would run into my mom and dad's room and would lay down and I would say this prayer. Dear Father, if you don't take this storm away, I won't love you anymore. And I prayed that over and over and over. When we're scared, we make bad decisions. That's the worst prayer I could ever pray. Because when we are scared, we begin to distance ourselves from God. When we say things and that fear comes in, we go to God and say, if you don't change this situation, I'm walking away from you today. Dumbest mistake you ever made. Fear separates you from the love of God. And we can't give in to it. Well, pastor, I don't have fear. Well, there could be fear of a doctor's diagnosis. There could be fear of many things I was going through that, that you hear this bad report and fear comes over you and you can't hardly go now because you believe the bad report. And that's the bad decision you made. You believe the report when you don't believe Jesus can bring you through it. Jesus can bring us through a bad doctor report. He can bring us through anything. Well, let's go a little bit deeper. Israel and, and Iran. Guys, Syria and Israel. Syria and USA. Do you, I believe that Syria is Gog and Russia is Magog. I believe we're set up right now for the end times. I believe that, that Christ could come back like that. It's all set up. They're already building, they're wanting to build the, the temple in Jerusalem. That's one prophecy that hadn't been fulfilled. They're finding a place to do it. They're raising money to do it. Man, things are in motion. Do you fear that? Fear makes us make bad decisions. Because a lot of times fear will say, well, I, I don't really believe that. I, I really don't believe this. And we start pushing against it. And we don't just listen to what Christ is trying to say. The other one I think is so important is fear of man. And guys, I, I battle this every Sunday. I, I battle every Sunday pleasing everybody in this building. That's why I had to take a deep breath this morning and ask you for a deep breath. It's, it's not that, that, that I, I let it overcome me, but we can but we try to please people. We fear men. Oh, is this person happy? Oh, is this person going to get happy? Oh, is this here? Is this? I mean, we get to give an end to that. Do you guys realize that, that fear even run through me last week with the song that we just sang, Reckless Love? And, and that fear was hitting me last week like you wouldn't believe first service because I was just in a ministerial alliance the week before and half of the ministerial alliance said that is not biblical. Minister Alliance drew the law and said that song won't be sang at our ministerial baccalaureate service tonight. And they played it in church last week. And they play it the week, this week. And I'm looking around, is that offending people? Is this offending people? We get so scared about fear of people. It's just like this shirt. Man, we are so scared that we can't even spank our kids anymore when they deserve it. Man, we're so scared that we can't even discipline our children. We're so scared of this world that, that our children run the house. When are we going to say enough's enough and say, God, your word is alive and real. I give in to you. When we fear applying God's word to our life, we make bad decisions. And I'll talk more about that later in some other examples. 
And don't get caught up in this spanking thing. I think all of you are caught up in that. I don't care how you discipline your child, do it. Joshua, I could light him up all day and it didn't make a hoot. He would laugh. So I quit lighting him up. I set him in a chair and it drove him nuts. Well, then set him in a chair. But discipline, train your child to things of God. Amy, that was a different story. Is she in here? I could tell you stories. I spanked Amy as a freshman in high school. Because she was so darn bullheaded. She gets that from her grandma. I looked at my wife and I knew better. And I looked at my mother-in-law and I even knew better more. So I looked at dad, I knew he would console her. (laughs) She comes after me with a spoon. But fear. The apostle falls, or Jesus said, therefore, do not be anxious. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. But we're losing sleep because we fear putting clothes on our kids, fear of putting our food on the table. Guys, we're doing okay. The poorest one in here is doing great. God is with you. We also need to remember 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The second thing is offense. And it's all through the scripture here. And, and, and then many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. Offense is deadly, guys. Why offense is dangerous? It separates us. If you get mad at me or we're mad as a church, we're not powerful anymore. That's why offense is so important that we check offense at the door. That we don't give into offense if you and your wife are offended at each other, your marriage is not effective. If you're offended at your brother, your relationship with your brother is not effective. Offense is horrible and it divides. And Satan knows that, so he's trying to offend everybody. And we're a world that we're easily offended. We are so easily offended, it just irks me. I get offended because of that. We're so easily offended. But I was out the other day watching the NFL channel. And, and, and it gets on there, and they had interviewed Tom Brady. How many have seen that? And they asked him that, that if they felt like that, did he feel like the, the Patriots and Belichick appreciated him? And they were going into this big song and dance, and, and they talked a little bit, and, and Tom Brady in the end said, I plead the fifth. What? You don't think they appreciate you? You don't think that they've looked out for you and cared for you. He's worth $180 million. He signed a contract one year, signing bonus $29 million. He's getting paid over a million a game, and he don't feel appreciated? Come on, I'm offended at that. <laughs> Offense. We're all offended. We're, we're getting offended at the littlest things. And what's sad about that is we as a church, Christians are so worried about offending anybody, we're not saying anything. And that's why the world's struggling. 
That we're seeing crud going on all the time and we don't want to offend anybody. How many times have you said, yeah, I was, I was supposed to minister to this person, but I didn't want to offend them. How many times have you said that? We're so worried about offending anybody that it affects the gospel. It affects God moving forward. Man, I remember Aaron preached one time, and Aaron, you get mad every time I bring this up, but what happened to the day when you could like pancakes and I didn't without offending each other? I'll never forget him preaching that one day up here. Nowadays, if you don't like pancakes, you've got to make a hundred reasons up why you don't so you don't offend somebody. Well, if they're your pancakes, I'd probably like them, but I just don't like my wife. All these excuses. But where I want us to hear today, and I think the Lord spoke this to me, My computer just rebooted. Many in here are offended, I believe, at Jesus because you are having a rough time. You've been taught all the time that in the last days that, that, that it's just going to be glory days and you're going to be running around. You're not going to have any problems. You're not going to have any persecutions. You're not going to have anything happen to you. Everything's going to be just peaches and cream. And you're saying, Jesus, where are you at? Jesus, what's your problem? Jesus, you offend me because you're not answering my prayer. And after I read that and, was, and the Lord was really dumping in me on that, it began to hit me. And, and, and to be honest with you guys, I repented. I repented of that very thing because I've given my life to the Lord. I quit a job that getting all this money and all this time and all these efforts. I give, quit everything for you, Lord. Lord, I do nothing but preach the gospel. I do nothing but do this. I do nothing but do this. Then why did my son do that? Why is my daughter going through this? Why are we going through this? What's all, you know, and we began to be offended. And how can we have a relationship with a God we're offended with? And I think many people in this room are offended with Jesus. That we're offended with God. And that's a dangerous place to be. And today we need to make that right. We need to realize that God did not come to steal, kill, and destroy. That was Satan. That God came to give us life and give it more abundantly. As I look around the room, lots of us have been through tragedies, hard times. But God has brought us through these times. And we need to remember that, that, that he didn't do it to us. But he got us through it. So don't be offended with him. The word says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he repent, repeats a matter, separates close friends. So if you're offended, Proverbs says you should seek love. Settle it. Let it drop. But if you're not, you're going to repeat it and keep it stirred up. And that's not godly. To the point that Jesus said, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to me. 
That's how important it is to Jesus that if you're in these altars, if you're in here today worshiping and you know you got a fence with somebody, Jesus is saying, get it taken care of. And if you're not, you're fostering, fostering that. If you're fostering love, you'll be willing to take care of it. Well, pastor, I don't feel like it. Half times I repent, I don't feel like it, but I know it's the right thing to do. And then the Lord changes my heart when I step to him. But again, Jesus said, when two or more come together, I am with them. And if we're offended, we're not together. I look back here at Lucas. And I just married that guy back there. And I think of the scripture. And I shared with him and Lacey. And I preached it that day. That Lacey's love for Lucas is a cord that can't be broken. And you put Christ in there, and that's a cord of three that will never be broken. And you can ask anything of the Father, and he's going to provide. And we preach that to our marriage couples. We preach that to the church. But if you go in there, and and Lacey and Lucas are mad at each other, they're divided. And they're not doing a lot of conquering, are they? And so I know I can talk about you guys because you're the perfect marriage right perfect couple we can talk about that later on can't we Lucas in the miracle part because when we press into God we're going to have red red sea miracles in our life and Lucas is one of them he found a good woman and that's a miracle because I didn't think he ever would no I'm just kidding you I love Lucas I know God answers prayer the third thing is lust but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, lust is what that means, drunkenness, cares of this life, and that the day come on you unexpectedly. And basically, if you study this out here, uh, what he's talking about is self-indulgence. And Logan Miller, I thought, really preached this good a couple of Wednesdays ago. It was talking about how the church has lost focus on the eternal and are focusing on the worldly time right now. And how the believers are losing focus on the eternal. And I think he was spot on. I challenge you to go listen to that. But the reason for that is self-indulgent. Everything is more important than our commitment to God. And the reason that is so dangerous is, again, is if this house is divided, then we won't stand. And if people are out seeking lust of the world and seeking the things of the world, they're not doing what God's called them to do in this body of Christ. And what the Lord really hit me with, and I believe he spoke to me in this morning in the shower, because we got a lot of stuff coming up. And to be honest with you, I feel like we begged the church to do it. Uh, you guys ask us to do a lot of things, and we do them, then we feel like we got to beg you to get it done. And then a lot of times we hear, I don't have the time, I don't have the talent, and I don't have the tithe. And, and I'm like, oh boy, we're back to square one here. And the Lord really spoke to me, because I've really been bumming over this a little bit lately. And the Lord really spoke to me this morning, if the church is excited about God, the pastor wouldn't have to call and make the ask. People would just do something. People would respond to the spirit nudge in them. And that's what I'm getting at here today, is that, that as, as the Lord puts things across this body, people are getting nudged in the spirit. And you know the Lord's asked you to do something. Are you doing it? Or are you self-indulged and saying, well, no, I don't have the time, the tithe, or the talent to do that. 
when you know that God has called you to do that. And I began to look through the Bible, and, 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 and Jesus went after the people, but they heard the calling and received it and did it. God has called Oakland to do some great things, and we've done some great things. And he's nudging each and every one of us in here to do some of these things. Come up and say, hey, that's me. I want to do that. Hey, God's called me to do this. Hey, man, I want to give to this. But we can't let self-indulgence, things of this world, pull us into where we're not doing the things of God. And that's something that we got to really check ourselves on as a church. Are you doing what God's called you to do? I know we got some people that are visitors here today. We got a lot of visitors here today. I'd say the same thing to you. Where you go to church, are you doing what God's called you to do? Because this message is across the board. God calls his people to do these things. The other thing that I believe the Lord put on my heart and it really opened my eyes up in this offense thing and, and, and parents, listen to this because it really helped me. But after people who are overwhelmed by fear or offense, meaning the first two, when people get overwhelmed by fear in their lives, they make dumb decisions. When people are ascended, offended in their life, they make bad decisions. How many times have you ever been hurt by your kid when they made a dumb decision and you stood to them? You hear where I'm going? They say things they don't mean. They do things they don't mean. But listen to, I'm going to start over now. So often people who are overwhelmed by fear or offense seek to find temporary relief from the pain in drunkenness, drugs, or immorality. And I believe the Lord really spoke that to me and it really opened my eyes up because so many times when people do these crazy things, I'm like, what are you thinking about? And they made a bad decision and so they're reacting through drunkenness. They're reacting through drugs. They're reacting through sexual immorality. They're reacting through whatever it may be in their lives. When Adam and Eve did something stupid, they feared the Lord. And what did they do? They went and hid. But God called out to them because he saw their need. This is going to sound silly to a lot of you, but it's very simple. But the Lord convicted me years ago of watching the Andy Griffith show. And you're going to say, what's wrong with Andy Griffith and Barney Five? That's the most wholesome show out there. What would happen is I'd record a bunch of them. And when this day would get so heavy, I would go home and lay in front of the TV and shut everything out, my wife included, my kids, and watch Andy Griffith's show, and get lost in that show. And what the Lord convicted me of is that when I was a kid, me, Mom and Dad, Mark, Kent, and Brian would lay around and watch that show together, and I felt safety and secure there. And the Lord said, quit doing that. You're running to that show, and it's crutch. 
And that's the simplest thing, guys. But the Lord was right. He said, I'm the one that will bring you through this. You don't need to go to that. You don't need to go to the safe place. Go to God. People go to drunkenness because that's the only way they know to get away. People take the over-the-counter drug. You guys realize that's a, the, the biggest drug problem in the world? The biggest problem in the world is over-the-counter drugs? Just throw them a pill. And I'm not saying there's not a place for some of this stuff, but Jesus needs to be number one. And the reason I say that, a lot of you argue about this beer thing. This beer drinking thing is out of control in this world, I think. It's, it's cool to drink. A lot of people say, Pastor, you think it's wrong to drink? Well, the Bible's pretty clear if you get drunk, it's wrong. Well, you say, well, I don't get drunk, I'm good. So I usually leave people alone. But the minute I hear them say, oh, I just drink one to knock the edge off, I'm saying then you need to quit. Because your edge isn't through the beer bottle. Your edge is through Jesus. You see where I'm going here today? But, but people respond to lust because they need Jesus in their life. So when we're making bad decisions from fear, we're separating ourselves. When we're offended, we're separating ourselves. And so then we're making bad decisions now. And they're into lust. And that's why we as a body of Christ need to recognize that and love them. And not be offended too. And bring them back in and love people. We'll move into deception. Where's my time going? Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Guys, people are deceived and they will be deceived in the last days. The most dangerous false prophets running around aren't going to be these crazy people on the street corners that all of us laugh at and wave at. These false prophets are going to be people that say things socially correct, uh, that may even line up with the Word of God to a certain extent, that, that, that may be great leaders, but when they're, done, when they're speaking and you're in the room with them, you're just like, that just ain't quite right. That just doesn't quite settle with my spirit. And, and guys, we're going to read uh, Jesus' temptations here in just a second. But even Satan used the scripture when tempting Jesus. And Jesus was like, man, what he's saying is all right. That's a scripture. But that just ain't quite right. And Jesus goes on to say, but this other scripture says this. And so we need to understand the word of God. And we need to understand how to apply it to our lives But these people that that are out there aren't going to be the ones you think. It's going to be people you least expect. And guys, we're already seeing it. Uh, It's in our system now. In the Methodist church, even the point that we're discussing, issues that we're discussing, it's there. And these leaders that are bringing it up, these people that are pushing these agendas that are against the Bible, they're saying the things that sound cool. They're saying we need to love people. They're saying that we need to do this. And what they're saying isn't too far off of what we should be doing, but it doesn't line up with the Scripture. Thus, it's wrong. You see where I'm heading here? Went to a benchmark meeting the other day. And we have to go to benchmark meetings because we get grant monies from the conference. 
And at these benchmark meetings, the, the, we report in the things that we've done. And last, and this is for the Carthage grant that we have. And so since November, we've had 10 uh, recorded salvations in youth, and we've had 25 salvations recorded in adult and children just at Carthage. Okay? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Something to celebrate. Great thing. Then I shared with them that Minerva was going in yesterday to get us her citizenship, that she has been, things have happened to her in Venezuela like you can't imagine. She's been beaten, left for dead twice. So she's applying for political asylum here. And she went up yesterday for that interview. That's what they wanted to focus all the time on. And there's nothing wrong with that. But in their eyes, being a citizen of the United States and helping her was more important than her salvation. And if they, I would say that to them, they would argue with me on it. But here are all these benchmarks that we did that were building the kingdom of God, they blew off. But the ones that were building their kingdom or their things they wanted to talk about. So the things that they say, there's nothing wrong with them, they're good things. But the kingdom of God is the best thing. And we always need to remind, be reminded that this deception that comes in in the last day is going to keep us from making stands for the word of God. And we're going to pull up root if we're not careful. I want to read this quote of what I have down here. These false prophets, they will use biblical terms, justice, unity, and love but not in the same way the Bible defines them. That's what I needed to say, and I struggle in saying it. I'm going to read it again. They will use the biblical terms justice, unity, and love, but not in the same way the Bible defines them. And that's a perfect way to say it right there. Of all I just preached the last 10 minutes. So I was trying to think of somebody and... and and somebody that's very vocal right now that, that is running for president or what, said they might was Oprah Winfrey. And, and, and guys, she's got a following like you wouldn't believe. And she professes to be a Christian. Thank you, sir, because I'm going to need them in a minute. Man, who is this guy? You want to come to Oakton? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know who you are. Thank you, brother. But she's saying all the right things. She's using biblical terms, talking about justice, unity, and love. But you study what she believes. She believes there's more than one way to heaven. That's universalism. And guys, I can go on and on and on. Just go, just check her out. But that's what disturbs me is that, okay, I believe this part of the Bible, but not this part of the Bible. And so we need to be on guard against these people. And against other people that might be doing these things. And I'm going to close this part up by saying, and Paul was talking about this in Corinthians, if in any manner of men, if in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame.
Jesus went through these temptations. I'm going to try to wrap it up with this, guys. And bear with me because I really feel the Lord wants you to hear this today. And it should be important to you. And I know we've got things to go to. But Jesus went through every one of these things that we talked about here today. He went through fear, offense, lust, and deception and went through gravy train. All these things happened in his life. And he saw the Red Sea experience in the end. He experienced the glory of God, and we will do the same. But we learn from him. Then Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, was led by the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that when Jesus went to be with God, he said, I'm leaving you a helper. That helper is the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you of everything that I said, and he's going to remind you of the Scripture. He's going to speak to you. So Jesus himself was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. And I know a lot of you guys know that, but Jesus was quoting Scripture when he responded to Satan. So he's led by the Spirit, and then he uses Scripture to fight Satan. We need to do the same thing. What was neat about this Scripture, he says that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, if you go down and read the next verse in 8.4, I believe, of Deuteronomy, it's going to say, Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. God was feeding them manna. God was providing everything they had to the point that their clothes didn't wear out, their sandals didn't wear out, nothing wore out for 40 years. He sustained them. Jesus said to the devil, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do not worry about what you will wear. Do not worry about what you will eat. Do not worry about tomorrow. You know the scripture we just read? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Jesus' word in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus lived the scripture and stood on the scripture the same as we need to. We go on through the reading here in the second temptation. Um, Then the devil took him to to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you're the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up under their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. So we got lust of the flesh here, but we also got the false antichrist there. He's quoting scripture. He's he's standing on the word of God to tell Jesus what to do. But Jesus knew the scripture and, and, and he said to the devil then, for the scripture says he will, or Jesus goes on to say, Jesus responded, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. Okay, yeah, I got that scripture, but it also says this, Satan, get thee behind me. So when we hear the deception and the things that don't line up with the word of God, we also say the scripture says this. We stand on the things of God. Jesus made the comment not to tempt God. And he was referring back to Exodus and Massa when he read out of Deuteronomy 6.16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. In other words, he quoted that scripture. And what they were doing in Massa is complaining. 
what I was talking about earlier. God, why did you do this to me? Father, testing God. You tormented us by thirst. They argued with Moses. They complained about the church. They did all these things. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to do this? Are you trying to kill us? I'm reading the scripture, guys. Are you trying to kill our children? Our livestock? You're trying to kill us all, God? That's what Jesus was quoting. Don't test the Lord like you did then. Same things. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. And that's the lust of this flesh, the lust of the world, wanting all the things that we're giving up for God. And the scripture, Jesus said, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And now he's quoting out of the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy 6.13. So he's led by the Spirit. He's quoting the Word. He's quoting the Ten Commandments. And guess what? The devil left and went away, and angels came and attended him. When we stand on God and stand in this, the troubles and tribulations of this world, and we stand in there and we stay in there, be led by the Spirit, claiming the Word of God over life, He's going to bring us through. Jesus is going to bless our life. The angels are going to come and attend us. So I say to you today, what does the Scripture say about your situation? What does the Lord say and speak over your situation? We can't give in to fear. We can't give in to offense. We can't give in to lust. We can't get into deception. Instead, we give into the things of God and you'll have Red Sea experiences. And I'm going to close out with this today, but I've got to go to Albania. We get to go to Albania and I'm leaving Thursday morning. I was going to tell Norma, Norma, just tell everybody I'm out of town. I have no time to do anything. Um, all this stuff going on, I was supposed to go over to Minerva Friday. And I didn't go up there with her, and it broke my heart that I couldn't go up there with her. But I just there's too much going on. I got to get done, and and I'm trying to schedule everything, trying to do all this, trying to do that. And Amy's water line breaks at her house, and her house is on the ground. I thought we had everything fixed, and and I'm like, Lord, what do I do now? And I just said, Amy, we're done. You're just going to have to be June the 12th before I can even look at that. Because if I hire somebody to go out there, we've got to tear the floor up. It's going to cost a fortune. And if you just wait till I get back, the plumbing's not going to take anything. But we just got to get it ready. And I was sweating it and bumming it. And I was thinking about that. And then some other things happened. And, and I'm like, God, you know, but I just keep pressing in. And so I went out on the mower and was mowing. And I just prayed and was seeking God out there. And it's kind of like Mac and me were talking the other day. Guys, you got to just go get a chair and sit out in the middle of the field and listen to Jesus. That's the best thing you can do. And I was sitting on the mower, and I'm just praying and seeking God, and God's talking to me and telling me how to respond to things. And, and, and he, out of the blue, said, the water line's broken by Amy's bed. And I thought, no way. And I'll be, and I didn't get off that mower, it was so strong, went up and looked at and found the water leak 
and I can reach it. If I had the tools, I could have fixed it that night. And I'm going to call a plumber, and it's going to be fixed tomorrow. But I would have, out of fear, anxiety, out of all these things that were hitting me, I was just going to cost me a fortune and make some bad decisions. But instead, I went and got alone with the Lord. And he spoke and told me what to do. You'll have Red Sea experiences. The other thing that was going on, and I'm going to share this last thing, because God speaks to us now, guys. But Altine wanted a, a phone, and I priced them. They're 800 bucks. A used one's 400 bucks. My plan was close to renewal, so I used Norma's phone and renewed it. So, no, anyway, but I renewed my phone, got my phone free, and the old phone I had had some things fixed on it. So they're downloading stuff. Well, I had a meeting that night at 6.30. I go over there early to AT&T. We get that. We, we start working the phone out, doing all these things. And the guy's saying, man, you got a two-hour download here. And I thought, what's going on? I start ministering this guy. Are you in here today, by the way? Troy, are you in here? I was hoping he'd be here today. But, but begin to talk to him about the things of God for an hour. How many times have you been in an AT&T store, AT&T, and had an hour with the customer service? There's 50,000 people going in and out of there. Well, this download's going on, and finally I said, I got a dentist appointment. I got to go. And he said, if you unhook that, you're going to lose all the process. You have to start over. I'll leave the phone with you. I'll go to the dentist. Went to the dentist. It's gone an hour. Come back. Still 200 or two hours left to go on the download. Ended up staying with him another two hours. Nobody come in to talk to him. No customers came in. How many has been at AT&T? Three hours, and they're able to talk to the guy. He fixed several things on my phone. He fixed this phone. We're just talking about the Lord. Ministered to him, and he was going through a rough time and, and just pouring into each other. And I just dawned on me, duh, the Lord wanted me to spend time with this guy. And so I poured more into the point where it's 6.15. I said, I got to be in Jasper by 6.30. I got to go. And he goes, you're going to lose everything. I said, I'm sorry, I got to go. Gave him my card. He said, I'm going to come check your church out sometime. And I drove to Jasper to the meeting, get home at 9.30 that night, begged my daughter to come over and make the downloads. She grabbed my phone and said, Dad, it's done. And the thing neat about that was I'd been taking pictures because that's a good way to minister overseas. And I didn't have to go redo all that stuff. The Lord honored me and honored my time. And you'll have Red Sea experiences in the last day. Yeah, I've had some rough days. Yeah, I'm going to have some rough days. But God, if we keep our eyes on him, he's going to bring us through. And guys, I'm not no perfect angel. Ask my wife or my mom and dad, oh God, where are you at? You know, I'm whining a lot too. But do your best to press in. So with every eye, had, eye, eye closed, head bowed, if you're here today and you've got a stronghold in your life, God told me you're going to raise your hand today. This is your opportunity to get free.